This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Thursday, December 26, 2019 edition of Invest Talk. And Christmas has come and gone. I hope everyone had a safe and happy holiday. And we all know that most people shopped online for their Christmas season, and that's in a lot of ways good news. Why? Because we tend to spend more when we're shopping online than in person. And, you know, in the new year, we're going to also approach a new decade. Right, And the big question is, are you prepared for the new year, the new decade, and are you on the right path? So not just about 2020. A lot of people focus on the last year or the next year, and in a lot of ways, it's about planning for the next, next decade and multiple decades. Right, the, the seeds that you lay today of good financial management, good savings discipline, all of those things can lay great seeds for decades to come. And that's what we are here to do. We're help you, we're here to help you rise to this challenge because it is a challenge. There are a lot of there's a lot of information being thrown at you each and every day from your smartphone to TV to your friends and family. And you need to distill all of this down to a strategy and an approach that works for you. So if you're having trouble finding that right path, you've come to the right place because that's what we are here to do each and every weekday is to distill all of this complex information into data and perspective that you can actually use. Now that data and that perspective is going to mean something a little bit different for each individual person. But that's really up to you to distill it all out. Understand how it affects you individually. And if you can't do it, then you probably need a professional like myself or Steve. So I urge you to call with your question today, investing, finance related, whatever it is, I want to hear from you and you can shape this show to your particular advantage. And we do this each and every day with philosophy of independent thinking and shared success. So this isn't Kramer once again. I'm not here to ring any bells, ring any sirens, whatever it is, we're just here to give you some solid facts and perspective. And in this hour, I'm going to do my best to move you along the path to financial freedom one step at a time. So once again, our listening line is open at 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. If you're listening live, 4 to 5 Pacific time, you can call right now, get on the air live, or you, if you're listening after hours, maybe on the podcast, you can call, leave a message, and we'll answer it on a future show. Now, you probably heard Steve will has scheduled two consultation trips for January. He'll be in Dallas January 24th on a Friday. And then, due to strong demand, he'll be back in New York City on January 28th to 29th. 
it's a Tuesday and a Wednesday. So help our listeners and our clients further improve their asset portfolio balance and optimize it for their needs, their goals going into the new year. So these in-person appointments are offered at no cost and no obligation. So if you want to learn more, you can register at investtalk.com and click on portfolio review. Now, my main talking point today concerns this story. For the first time in 11 years, more Bank of America clients are buying single stocks. That's pretty interesting. Versus ETFs, right? And for 11 years, like I said, they've been buying, or at least their clients have been buying more ETFs than individual stocks. So we're going to talk about that story. Why might that have happened? And is that a good strategy? Also, we're entering a new year. And there are some changes to Social Security, to IRA contributions, 401k contributions, Medicare, healthcare, etc., that might affect you going into the 2020. So we're going to touch on that. Also, the keys to financial success are often pretty boring, and we're uh, I, I I don't want to touch on it too long because it is kind of boring in a way, but it's also simple and can shape your perspective on how to make the right financial decisions because oftentimes they're not that exciting. What attracts most people to investing and savings are the prospects of exciting returns and exciting transformations of, of your life. And oftentimes that means more boring changes to your day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month, even year-to-year. But consistency is key. And I always say this investing game is a get-rich-slowly type of strategy versus what a lot of people like are those get-rich-quick type of strategies, which are very, very few and far between and carry a lot of risk. So we're going to touch on that as well. And then lastly, the Santa Claus rally, what is it? We're in the midst of it. What does it mean? Why is why does it happen in general? So we're going to touch on that as well. So that's what's on my mind for today. But ultimately, I want to hear from you. I want to know what you are thinking about. Let's take a look at the market today. The S&P was up about half a percent. The Nasdaq was up a little less than 1%. Small caps were slightly positive. One-tenth of one, sorry. Yeah, one-hundredth of one percent, excuse me. So very, very modest update there and continuation of Santa Claus rally, Fed money printing, injecting liquidity, etc. So that's kind of where we're at with the markets right now going into the year end. Now let's jump in with a caller question now that came in earlier at 888.99 chart. Hi, this is Cody from Texas. I was wondering about tech stock. I heard you mention it earlier on the show, QCOM. If you don't mind, tell me what you think about it and I'll be listening on the show. Thanks. All right, so looking at Qualcomm, one of the original tech bubble stocks, right? I mean, I always think that I use this as a good example of what happens when people take or they they allocate too much of their money to one particular stock. I'll give you one example of the Qualcomm's a good example of how stocks can just get nutty sometimes. Starting in about middle of 1999. The Fed was printing money. This, this is there's a, there's a good lesson here with Qualcomm. 
The Fed was printing money after the Asian financial crisis in 98, and they were worried about Y2K, and they just started to print money and liquefy the system, and the NASDAQ was up over 100% in 2000, or sorry, 1999, and Qualcomm was kind of the poster child for that. It went from about $5 a share in mid, we call it $3 a share in mid-1999, and it hit as high as $99 a share in early 2000, March 2000. So in the span of nine months, it went bonkers. Uh, and a lot of secretaries at Qualcomm were millionaires. Many, because we're in Southern California, that Qualcomm's headquarters in San Diego. So many of them were very wealthy and they just were writing and they think it was going to last forever and clearly it didn't. It crashed from around that night, around the $100 level all the way down to $12 in 2003 and it's slowly been marching higher since and it's a it's still a good business it's a business that struggled from 2018 to 2019 but it's starting to improve especially with the settlement with apple that gave them a, a big i forgot the dollar amount but it was a lot and it's kind of it's kind of turned the prospects of their business around a little bit uh apple is trying to diversify away from them because they don't like the, they don't like the way qualcomm does business i know broadcom's trying to buy them so to me qualcomm is a, a good company it's probably a little overvalued now based on its uh its its metrics uh but it's a good company it's in the tech space, which continues its relative momentum, technically it's strong, and I think it's a pretty good buyout candidate. I know it's $100 billion, but I know Broadcom was trying to buy it, and I think they eventually will uh, get around to buying it at some point when they can afford it. And so I like Qualcomm. You get a nice little less than 3% dividend. That's pretty solid, modest amount of debt. So I like Qualcomm at these levels, and it looks strong. This is Invest Talk. Streaming live Monday through Friday in the 4 o'clock Pacific Time hour and available for free download as a condensed podcast. You can browse by topic at investtalk.com. You can also download, review, and rate it on Spotify, iTunes, or Google Play. And now I'm taking your questions now at 888-99-CHART. You are listening to Invest Talk. Christmas has come and gone. The start of a new year and a new decade is almost here. The health of your financial future may depend on the decisions you make in 2020. Justin Klein is here now, ready to provide his unbiased investment guidance. The phone lines are open, and Justin is taking your questions live. 888-99-CHART. 888 chart 888 Let's check in on holiday retail sales now that we're past Christmas. We're up about 3.4% over last year. And online spending increased. Once again, not a shock there. According to MasterCard, the record online sales figures were 18.8% higher over last year. This is November 1st through Christmas Eve. Okay, so that's the time frame that they're using. Now, online sales represent about 14.6% of all retail spending during the holiday season. The biggest spending day, Super Saturday, also called Panic Saturday, which is the Saturday before Christmas. 
And how well did Amazon Prime do? Well, very well. Company says that the 5 million new subscribers open accounts over the holidays. Try to get that free two-day shipping. And Amazon said it added 250,000 extra workers just for holiday fulfillment. So pretty interesting that uh, people are still signing up for Amazon Prime every single year, millions a year, and that's a solid, consistent revenue stream for Amazon. And I think that's that's the bread and butter of their business. And uh, it's, it reminds me kind of like a Costco. I don't know if you know this, but co- most of Costco's earnings actually come from their annual subscription revenue to be a Costco member. I don't know if you know that or not. But let's fit another caller question in now at 88899 chart. Hey, it's Adam from Los Angeles. Uh, topic of the day is Verizon. I feel that Verizon is the best uh, dog of the dog of the Dow. It's a deep value stock demonstrated by the enterprise value slash EBITDA ratio. It also pays a hefty 4% dividend. It's got a lot of growth prospects, especially because of 5G. And I wanted to see what you thought. Also, there are technical factors that are in its favor. Have a wonderful day. I love the show. All right, he's looking at Verizon Communications, about a $250 billion market cap. And their debt levels are, let me look this up real quick. If my computer wants to, there you go. Uh, They have about $100 billion in debt. So that's pretty hefty but it's a business that is consistent, right? They're making more money each and every year, basically since Verizon came into existence and yields about 4% now. Revenue growth is in the low single digits, one to 3% or so each quarter, year over year. So very, very modest. So this isn't a growth name. This would be your dividend name. You're clipping coupons here. Now, he's talked about the enterprise value to EBITDA ratio. It is at about 8.5, which is relatively low in comparison to a lot of other stocks. But you have to remember, you're not going to pay, or the market's not going to price this company with a strong multiple right? because it's a slow growth name. So it's actually trading near the high end of its multiple range, but I still like it because of you know the Fed repressing rates and printing money. I think these names are going to get a little bit more uh, bid up. So I like Verizon. I'm a fan. We actually own it for some clients. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. I want to hear from you at 888-99 chart. This is Invest Talk. Steve Peasley has expanded the travel consultation schedule for his no-cost portfolio reviews. That's right. On January 24th, Steve will be in Dallas, Texas. Then on January 28th and 29th, Steve will return to New York City. He can help you optimize your investment assets. So learn more and register soon through the portfolio review page at investtalk.com. Eight 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 ninety nine chart eight 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 nine nine two four two seven eight. I urge you to get your call in sooner rather than later. Now our main talking point today involves a story from out of Bank of America, and it's the fact that for the first time in eleven years, more people bought individual stocks versus ETFs. Now I think there could be 
a couple of factors. One is the fact that you know 2018 was not a great year for stocks and the indexes, right? Down mid to high single digits. You, depends on which index you talk about, but in general. And, you know, we bounced back pretty quickly early part of the year, but we kind of bounced around, right, over the summer. And if you look year over year, going back a full year, for most of the year, the markets were flat to down, right, going back a full year until you got to, you know, around now when, you know, your base is now lower because, right, the sell-off in the fourth quarter of last year so had that start date um, at a lower uh, lower price on the indexes. So, for most of the year, it looked like the indexes were not a great place to be. Uh, they were starting to experience more volatility, which they hadn't in a while, right? I'm talking about investors. And then you have the shift to zero commission eat or zero commission stock trading. You know, think of uh, what happened with Fidelity dropping it to zero, Schwab, TD Ameritrade. You know, the cost to trade just got lower, so it was easier to diversify among individual names versus ETFs, where you could buy one ETF, the whole portfolio, and you're paying one commission, right? So I think that could be part of it as well. And it could just be a sign that some investors are maybe looking for more protection, looking for a different way to do things, or maybe just to earn higher yield. Right when the yield on the S and P is under two percent, go out there and buy individuals you know, stocks to AT and T, Verizon. A lot of those type of names did well, uh, and they a lot of them rallied most of the year because of lower interest rate. Because a lot of those are bond proxies, so people looking for yield because the bond market isn't yielding that much as well. Those are I think factors that really pushed people maybe not away from ETFs, but maybe realizing they're over exposed to the indexes. Maybe you want to create a little more diversity. So I thought that was an interesting discovery that this was the first year since 2008, right? The bank's data, Bank of America, I mean, showed that clients bought $38 billion worth of single stocks in 2019. That was much higher than the $25 billion worth of ETFs that are purchased. Now, remember, this is just one broker, so it's not the only one out there, but it's one of the largest. And it wasn't by a small margin. It wasn't like it was 26 or $27 billion versus $25 billion. It was a good 50% more money went into individual stocks than ETFs. And maybe people are just waking up to the flaws. You know, you can... We can argue about how many flaws, what type of flaws ETFs and indexes have, but they clearly have flaws, and maybe people are starting to wake up to those flaws. 888.99 chart, 888-992-4278. If we move quickly, we can fit in another caller question that came in earlier. Hey, Steve and Justin. This is Justin calling from Chicagoland. Uh, my question today is I've heard you talk a lot about debt and knowing which companies to invest in regarding their debt. Um, when you discuss that word debt, are you referring directly to the liabilities versus the asset and how that balances out? Or is it something, a more specific um, number that you're considering when talking about debt when involved in a company? Appreciate your answers, man. Appreciate the show. I uh, look forward to hearing your answer. Now, when we're talking about 
debt were, if we're talking about investing in company debt, you're talking about buying the bonds, right? Now, when you're looking at analyzing a company in general, like I just uh, analyzed Verizon, for example, said so they had $108 billion in debt. Now, a company that size, pretty much every company, is going to have some sort of relationship with their bank, and they're going to be able to borrow with their bank at a certain rate, and that's predictable, and, and they negotiate that, the cost of that debt, et cetera, with the bank. And that's up to a certain amount, and over that, maybe they'll issue some bonds, typically, uh, like Verizon probably you know does. And that's their capital structure, right? There's equity, and there's debt. That's the capital structure. And if you basic accounting, the assets plus the liabilities, or sorry, assets equal liabilities plus equity. Okay. And so when the balance of the liabilities and equity get too high, debt to equity ratio for Verizon, for example, it's 1.8%. So it's 1.8, the ratio. And so when that gets too high, then your worried about the leverage of the balance sheet. It means if the value of those assets drop by X percent, suddenly the equity is wiped out. If the balance between too much debt in, is much higher than the equity. So you want something that's a little more balanced. And then a lot of that has to do with how sustainable and consistent the business is for that company. Is it volatile? Is it very cyclical? Like maybe a retailer or is it pretty steady like Verizon has? So there's a lot that goes into analyzing the debt. Hope that helped. Now on the next and best talk, the story. While filing your income tax returns may never be the same, America Tax Cuts and Job Act created a series of big changes, including the areas of itemized deduction and exemptions. Steve is going to touch on that story tomorrow. But for now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to your, your question now at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial, where principals and Invest Talk hosts Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are independent financial advisors. For clients, they are fiduciaries. Steve and Justin have a duty and a commitment to always place the interests of their clients ahead of the firm. This is different from the way many other organizations operate. And one way you can realize the benefit of an association with KPP Financial is to know that KPP practices parallel investing. This means that the personal investment accounts of KPP principals participate with client investments at equal prices and percentages. It's an important difference. You can learn more anytime at investtalk.com. At KPP Financial, we offer independent thinking with shared success. This is Invest Talk, the radio program and podcast dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom. You may be a regular listener. You may even have called a few times. But if you've never called, what are you waiting for? The phone lines are open, and Steve and Justin would love to hear your questions right now. Call 888-99-CHART. Eight 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 ninety nine chart eight eight nine nine two four two seven eight and we only have three days left of trading right uh, where the markets open in twenty nineteen that means we need to start looking to twenty twenty and I want to highlight a few changes in the new year across different parts of the investment landscape let's start with retirement plans now the 
amount you're able to stash away in your 401k, 403b, TSP, which is Thrift Savings Plan, or most 457 plans, that's actually going to go up next year to fi- by $500 to $19,500. And if you're over the age of 50, there's a catch-up contribution that used to be $6,000. That's also going up $500 to $6,500. So total, if you're over the age of 50, you can contribute up to $26,000 in those workplace retirement accounts, which is pretty exciting, especially if you're behind the eight ball a great thing that you should take advantage of, especially if you're in a high tax bracket. Now, if you have a simple retirement account, that also is going to go up $500 to $13,500. But if on the regular IRA side, it's actually not changing either the catch-up contribution or the regular contribution, $6,000 for 2019 as well as 2020, and same with the catch-up contribution, another $1,000. Now, Social Security, that's going to rise about 1.6% in 2020, which to me is not nearly enough. I think inflation is definitely faster than that. Now, in 2019, some 63.8 million Americans took Social Security. And for the first time, this is a great example of why our, uh, one of the reasons, not the only reason, definitely not the only reason why our deficit is rising dramatically, is that for the first time since in its history, Social Security history, the payouts are going to top the $1 trillion mark. $1 trillion. This shows you how all of those off-balance sheet liabilities that so many people have been warning about for a long time are suddenly coming on balance sheet of our government. Now, when it comes to Social Security, for next year, the average or the full retirement age is going to increase by another two months to 66 years and eight months. So that's the age you have to be to get the full retirement benefit for persons born in 1958. Right now, that'll also increase another two months for 2021 and 2022. So by 2022, the full retirement age will be 67 years exact. So that's a big change. What else? Medicare. You'll pay 6.7% more for your Medicare. It's interesting, right? Politicians are going to talk about the Medicare or Social Security increase, but they're not going to talk about the Medicare increase of 6.7%. That's a lot for standard monthly Part B premiums. Pretty crazy. Now, healthcare costs in general just going up, and Fidelity Investments estimates out-of-pocket medical expenses for the average couple retiring at age 65 each year. Right, they look at and they analyze this each year, figure out how much that's going to cost that couple for the rest of their life. 2019 was $285,000. That's $150,000 for the woman, $135,000 for the men. So that's pretty interesting. And these are also going to rise another few percentage points next year as well. And here comes another caller question appropriate for the year-end reflection. Building a portfolio. This is from our listener line at 888-99-CHART. Hi, this is Travis from Beaverton, Oregon. I had a question for Steve uh, regarding building my portfolio. I've been listening to you guys for the last uh, almost a year now and have been actively investing in my, in my self-directed IRA for about the last six months. Really learned a lot from you guys, made a few mistakes here and there. But, you know, I was looking at my account the other day and noticed, you know, I'm still only about halfway invested of the cash that I have in my IRA. And, you know, I've been looking to make sure that I buy, you know, at good prices instead of 
you know, spending too much on a stock. And so my question is, you know, how long should it take someone to build a portfolio that's diverse, uh, you know, and buying at the right times for each, each stock that I pick? On average, you know, how long does it take to establish that portfolio? And should I be targeting a certain time frame? Um, and then also, in my portfolio, should I be keeping a certain percentage um, as cash reserves for opportunistic buying? So anyway, yeah, I just would love to get your take on that. I look forward to hearing your uh, answer on the show, and thanks for everything you guys do. I don't think you should wait too long. I think three to four months is adequate time to build a portfolio. You know, you should be doing your research and understanding your asset allocation that you want. And, you know, you want to be opportunistic and buy those stocks at the right time. But sometimes you can just be overly cautious or, or just simply wait too long. So, you, I think three to four months is plenty of time. And, should you keep some cash in there for opportunistic purposes? And I'm going to say, no, not really. Especially in today's world where trading costs are basically nothing, should be nothing, depending on which broker you're at, but most of them are now at zero. So say you want to find, you see a name that you want to pick up, there's going to be an underperforming name in your portfolio that you can just sell, or maybe there's another name that you just want to rebalance. It's gone up too much and or gone up a lot and you might have re, you know it was at three percent of your portfolio before now it might be five or six you might want to cut that back down to three and gain, get some cash that way so there are different avenues to rebalance a portfolio in order to pick up names that a name that might look attractive right so i don't think you really need that cash unless it's for lowering the overall volatility of your portfolio or you're going to use that cash in the near term for something and you want to keep that cash safe, those type of things. Um, but no, I don't think you really need to hold on to too much cash unless your portfolio asset allocation calls for it. Let's go to Robert in Vancouver, Washington, looking at VTR, which I believe is a REIT, correct? Yeah. I've just been following for a while, and I saw it drop, and uh, looks like it's rebounding up. I don't know if it's now a good time to get back in. Hmm. Well, let's take a look at Ventos. This is VTR Ventos. This is a REIT that owns and leases senior housing and healthcare-related properties in 46 states. $21.5 billion market cap. Yields about 5.5%. And what's interesting is that revenue is is growing decently low to mid single digits on average over the last eight quarters or so, but earnings are in the decline. And when it comes to earnings on this, uh, it's a REIT, so it's actually expressed as funds from operation, but effectively that's what it is. But that's been down year over year for five straight quarters, and that's worrying. You know, 2019 funds from operation are supposed to decline 6%, another 2% next year. So that's a big issue for me that it's profits are declining even while revenue stays relatively stable. And I want to know why that is. It have to do with Medicare reimbursements. What is driving down the profitability? Do you know that, Robert? No. Yeah. So I would really, I would really investigate that. Why that's happening? Is this something that's short term or is it structural? Because REITs, REITs pay out a dividend. 
And that dividend, it has to be over a certain percentage of that funds from operation, the earnings of the, of, of the business. And if that continues to decline, what's going to happen? Eventually, that's going to cut the, the dividend. And that's the biggest worry here is that that dividend does decline even more. Now, technically, it's below all the major moving averages. And it's rallied a little bit recently, but not, not very strong. It's pretty weak, and that worries me as well. So technically, it's not strong, and I really need to understand the earnings backdrop, why that's happening. And until I get a grasp on that and make sure that that's not a structural thing that's going to be persistent for years on end, then I wouldn't buy it. Um, if you can see you know, light in the tunnel, uh, then it does look relatively cheap. I will say that. Um, but I want to make sure technically as well as fundamentally that it is improving. And I'm seeing neither of those at the time. Thanks for the call, Robert. I'm Justin Klein. You're listening to Invest Talk. You know, 2019 has been a good year for Invest Talk and KP Financial. And our podcast downloads are quite popular. And Steve and I thank you for that. Please be sure to tell your friends and family members about Invest Talk. We are now over the half a million downloads each and every month mark. And we thank all of you for your loyal support and listenership. And you will still, we'll soon start a new year and a new decade. And we have resources available to assist with your goal of building a better financial future. And of course, you can call our anytime listener line, leave investment and market questions, and we'll answer them on the future radio show and podcast. And you can also visit investtalk.com, check out our Riskalyze Risk Questionnaire that can help you understand and manage your investment risk perception and tolerance going into the new year new year and for now our phone lines are open at 888-99 chart this is invest talk steve peasley has added two new portfolio review trips to his schedule steve will be in dallas texas on friday january 24th and he'll return to new york city for two days tuesday and wednesday january 28th and 29th. These are no cost and no obligation consultations. Learn more and register now at investtalk.com. Steve and Justin welcome your investing questions and the phone lines are open. Call 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Carl in Philadelphia. He wants to talk about dividends. Hey, Justin. Happy holidays. You um, too. General Thank question. So um, something about dividends I'm missing here. Let's say I own a hypothetical stock, one share, and, and it closes at $10 per share at, the end, of, at mm. the end of business. Okay, now let's say that company declares a $0.25 cents dividend that day. So I have $0.25, cents, but now I have nine seventy five because that's deducted from from the shares, right? So, and plus I have a tax bill now. So how exactly does the dividend help here? Well, the dividend, what, what basically what you're saying for everyone else is when a company goes X dividend, let's say it calls it $10 a share and it's X dividend is, or it's dividend is 25 cents a share. Typically the next day will open 25 cents lower, right? Because that 25 cents is now no longer the new shareholders. It's the shareholders from the previous day, right? So if you, uh, the, the new buyers are going to adjust for that, okay? Now, 
you're going to collect that dividend, get that 25 cents in, and typically the stock is going to continue to rise over time if that dividend is sustainable, if earnings are sustainable. The best, and, and statistics show this, that what dividends do is it lowers volatility of the overall stock, right? Because you have people that are more in it for the dividend. They're, they're stronger holders, right? They're not uh, just trying to get capital appreciation out of the, the company. And so the volatility tends to be lower because there's more strong hands that are owning the name, first off. Second off, it's good discipline for the management, right? When you have a business that's throwing off tens or hundreds of millions of dollars, maybe even billions of dollars in profits each and every year, there can be a tendency for management to empire build is what they call it, where you take they take that the, that free cash flow, that money that they have in the bank, and they just go buy businesses, right? Because they just want a bigger and bigger and better business and more things to run, and they, they need to keep their job as well. So it shows that they're improving profits, and they're going to use that money. And more often than not, when that happens, when they just have money burning a hole in their pocket, they go out there and they overpay for companies just because they have the money, right? And in net-net, that typically is negative for the shareholder long-term, okay? So what dividends typically do is they take that cash flow from that business and pay that out to shareholders, and it's up to the shareholder to allocate it however they want, maybe re reinvest it in the company or buy another stock, maybe use that dividend to live off of, whatever that is, right? So you're getting a portion of the cash flow of that business and away from management that more often than not, if there's too much cash on hand, they'll go overpay for acquisitions. And so that's really the best benefit of a dividend long term. But you know, that $10 stock that drops to 975, more often than not, like I said, as it earns more money each and every day, then that stock will rebound to 10, you'll be back to even, and you'll keep that dividend, and hopefully it goes much, much higher as well. Does that make sense, Carl? So what you're saying is it's not an immediate benefit, but it's an eventual benefit. Well, it's an immediate benefit that you're getting the cash flow. Now, uh, the... The, the multiples that the, comp the, the company's earnings don't change when they pay a dividend. The assets on the balance sheet do a little bit, right? Because you're, you're paying out cash flow. But the multiples that the company trades at, etc., isn't really changing because multiples are based on consistent business, consistent profits, consistent revenue, okay? So yes, I do think you get a, an instant benefit, and that short-term blip or drop-down in the stock price typically is erased, erased rather quickly as the comp as days go by and the asset that flows off their balance sheet to shareholders gets replaced by free cash flow and profits on a daily basis. Thanks for the call, Carl. This is Invest Talk, and I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here is to help you achieve financial freedom, your own version of financial freedom. We're going into the last segment. So if you're going to call, you have to do it right now. And our work continues after this break at 888-99-CHART. On the next Invest Talk, why filing your income tax return may never be the same. The Tax Cuts and Jobs Act created a series of big changes that could affect your tax bill. That story tomorrow. 
But now Justin Klein is here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your questions. Call Justin, 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Sam in New Jersey. He wants to talk about Fiat Chrysler. Hey, Justin. You there? Uh, so I was thinking of um, uh, buying um, uh, stocks of this particular company. I was mainly interested mm-hmm. in the dividend. I uh, just wanted to uh, know your thoughts on the stability of the dividend and uh, um, I mean the fundamentals of the company in general. Well, the stability looks a little stretched here. It does yield 5%, but its cash dividend repair ratio is 96%. So 96% of free cash flow is going to pay that dividend. So uh, you know, a meaningful extended period dip in that figure could seriously put the dividend in jeopardy. Uh, now, they don't have a, a ton of debt, net debt on their balance sheet, so that's a positive. Uh, and technically... It had a nice explosion higher in late October. I'm not sure why that is. So, But what it did is it brought it above its 200-day moving average, and it just recently had a cross bullishly above the 50 above the 200, which is which is nice, and it's finding support here. So technically, that it looks strong in the near term, uh, but I, I don't love the automobile industry in general. It typically has low return on capital, and it's a very competitive space. However, with unemployment rate fairly low, interest rates fairly low, I could see this sustaining its profitability uh, in the near term. Uh, and the technical nature of the stock is telling me that that will likely continue. So I think near term, it's a fairly good bet. I don't love it long term, however, because of the competitive nature of the business and the fact that they're just very cyclical and they have a ton of operating leverage, right? So if you have volumes dropping 10%, their profits would probably be wiped out rather quickly. And so it's a very, very volatile name. And therefore, I don't love it long term, but if you're looking for something kind of short to maybe intermediate term, uh, technically it looks strong and I think it will pay that dividend for the foreseeable future, but I don't love it long term. Thanks for the call, Sam. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Let's touch on the keys to financial success. And, you know, we're going into a new year and a lot of people are looking to maybe rethink their strategy towards their investments. And you're around a lot of friends and family during the holidays. So you hear stories about how I bought this stock or this is how I invested my money or whatever. And... Many people look at the mix of their investments and they're hoping to hit on a hot stock or two and that will fix all of the holes in their financial plan and it'll all fall into place without them doing a whole lot of the dirty work, right? The hard part of creating a strong financial future, which is saving, saving consistently, having an appropriate spending rate, right? Those are the hard things to do. But the long and short of it is that even if you make killer investment selections, which is extremely hard to do, you still cannot make a plan work if you aren't saving consistently 
and the right amount. And the way to make it the right amount is to live within your means, both well before retirement and then after. And even if you earn a lot of money, you have a good job, a good career, many people overspend. They see that. They, they say, oh, you know, I work hard to get here. I, I did all this to make all this money, and I want to enjoy it. And there's certainly, absolutely, 100% some truth to that. However, many people stretch beyond what they can afford. Right? They turn that one vacation a year that they felt they deserved into three or four. And that compromises their savings plan, their investment plan, etc. So going into the new year, treat yourself right, but treat your future just as right. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley will be here tomorrow, and I'll be hosting again on Monday, my last live show for 2019. Please remember that you can access our free Invest Talk podcast, downloads at iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. And be sure to listen, review, and rate. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, Call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART.